Life is like a corporate merger. You never know what you're going to get. That's what fans of Cedar Fair and Six Flags Parks were thinking last week when the two chains announced plans for a merger. Hello, everybody. I'm Don Helvig alongside the peripatetic Ryan Sir, and this is episode number 67 of the Attractions Group podcast. Yeah, uh, I didn't think it would take 67 whole episodes for Cedar Fair to merge with Six Flags, to be honest with you. Um, but before we dive into this, because today is like one of those days where the news is like drinking out of a fire hose, but make sure to follow us on all your favorite podcast apps, Apple, Google, Spotify. Uh, we're available on YouTube. We do have a video version where it's not just like a logo and us talking or whatever. Uh, follow us on X slash Twitter at attractions underscore GRP. And you can find all this stuff more simply at attractions group podcast dot com so let's all right now yeah yeah ryan yeah big news last week some rumblings you know started to come out uh on wednesday and then thursday morning it's officially announced as everyone was waking up to the news what were your thoughts when you heard that six flags and cedar fair announced plans for a merger well what's funny is my first thought was i've heard this story before because i've heard Cedar Fair merging with Six Flags. I've heard Cedar Fair merging with SeaWorld. Cedar Fair merging with yeah, Apollo Global Management was another big one several a couple decades ago. Uh, so I I didn't believe it. I, you were the one to send me the Reuters article, and I was like, yeah, whatever. And you were like, I feel different about this. What were your thoughts when when you saw the article? Well, I thought it had legs. Um, number one, you look at the position of where each chain was at in the the debt that they they'd piled up so it was one of those things that i think they kind of needed each other so i felt that gave it some legs now you know i had worked there to the end of june did i hear any rumblings or anything like that not at all i mean that was all going to be under the table hush hush only maybe a few people would have known how long they were talking about it um but i did think and everybody in the industry kind of knew and understood when cedar fair bought the paramount parks in 2006, as soon as that deal closed, then there were a lot of people that, you know, just said it's just a question of time now before Cedar Fair and Six Flags, either one buys the other, they merge, they do something, you know, so here we are, you know, 16, 17 years later, you know, it finally happens, but it wasn't a question of if, but when that would happen within the industry. Yeah. And it was funny because I, I remember talking to you and I was just like, I was looking at the numbers and I was like, I, I just don't understand the math behind this because neither of them have the debt capacity to buy the other. And I said, it's got to be right. some sort of weird stock exchange, a, a like terms merger. Uh, and that ended up being what it is, you know? Um, so yeah, that was the only way this could be done. And you're right. Neither could have bought the other. Yeah. So ultimately what it breaks down to is the Cedar fair unit holders are going to own approximately 51.2% of the new company. Uh, Six flags shareholders will own approximately 48.8% of the new company. Um, so, and then there's something with, I mean, obviously check the prospectus when it comes out, but they're doing something with some sort of dollar dividend with the Six Flags people. But um, we need to kind of discuss from the standpoint of the guests, what that means, uh, because I see a lot of people online that say that are, they're upset. I don't like Six Flags. They're going to ruin Cedar Fair. And people are like, ah, 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 Cedar Fair is going to own the majority of the company. But I, I don't think that's the way this works. What's your interpretation of this split? You're right. It's not the way it's going to work. It's going to be a, a true partnership there. Um, you know, right now, from what I've I've read and everyone else has read, you know, Richard Zimmerman, uh, you know, who's 
leading Cedar Ferry is going to be the head of this new company. They're going to go with the Six Flags name. And that makes a lot of sense because it's more recognizable uh, throughout the world. So when you're dealing with different, uh, you know, whether it's a marketing partnership, you're dealing with, uh, you know, ride manufacturing that, you know, it just, everybody knows what Six Flags is. And sometimes you have to explain what Cedar Fair is. So it made a lot of sense to go that route with it. Um, you know, I, I saw different things, you know, uh, you know, going through social media and different fan sites where everyone's, you know, talking about, oh, this means this is going to be great because the wooden coasters will be taken care of better at Cedar Fair because Richard Zimmerman's leading the Richard is not involved in the weeds and the day-to-day operation of these parks. No. You know, he's not telling the mechanics how much grease to put on the tracks or anything like that. His role is going to be dealing with the investors, dealing with Wall Street. He's going to be tied up in that kind of stuff. So you're going to have... Um, you know, other people are going to do it, but I've never gone to a Six Flags park and not had a good time. So I don't get where that always comes from. Um, you know, I've been many times at Six Flags over Georgia, Six Flags St. Louis, um, Great Adventure, New Jersey. Uh, when I lived in Albany, New York, I went to Great Escape a lot of times. Um, you know, the Fiesta Texas is one of the best run parks in the industry. So I don't get where all that comes from. Um, I, I think it's a it's a win, win, win situation for everybody. It's a win for the guest. It's a win for, uh, you know, the company. It's just a win for everybody. So let me ask you this, Don, and th- this is 100% your opinion, and this is not a, a direct predictor, but as it stands now, if you're a fan of a Cedar Fair Park, and we're not talking about caveats like Great America or anything like that. Your Kings Island, your Carowinds, your Cedar Points, like one of those parks. What do you think this means to them? Well, I think what it means to them is I think you get the opportunity with the different IPs to incorporate some different things into your park. Um, other than that, I don't think you're going to see too much different. I don't think you're going to see the Six Flags name slapped in front of the parks. It's not going to be Six Flags, Kings Island, Six Flags, Cedar Point. Um, I think they'll still go by the names Kings Island and Cedar Point. You might see underneath of the name, you know, a Six Flags Park, that type of thing. The Six Flags branding might be on some cups, might be on some merchandise. But for the most part, I think it's it's not going to change too much for you. Now, I want to go into this before we get too deep, mm-hmm. is that, you know, this hasn't closed. You know, a lot can happen between now and when it's supposed to close where it wouldn't go through. Right. Um, so it's not a done deal. A uh, lot of knee-jerk reaction out there right away, as you, you would expect, you know, when you're real passionate about uh, a park or a chain and something like this happens, there's always going to be that kind of reaction. But I, I think when you look at it, there's some great operators and great talent on the Six Flags side. There's great talent and operators on the Cedar Fair side. You put the best of these people together, and, and I think it's going to end up being a really good thing. I think, you know, with the different kind of, uh, like I talked about the IPs you could bring into the other parks, uh, I think it allows you to have a little bit better um, buying power when it comes to new attractions, you know, with the different manufacturers and that, because now you've got, what, 42 parks instead of 13 or whatever you're dealing with there. So I think there's a lot of a lot of advantages uh, to this happening. So, you know, I'm excited about it. You know, I, I think it's, uh, you know, it's the best for both parks. I think both were kind of headed in the wrong direction financially. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some big notes were due in a couple of years here. And I think it was, I don't think it was something that uh, maybe the, the, the two chains, you know, necessarily really wanted to do. Maybe a year from now they didn't want to, but I think as you get closer to those, you know, the, the, as the debt's piling up and that, you, you do what you have to do. And this made sense for both of them. 
Yeah. Um, so, you know, when we're talking about, um, yeah, obviously there's a lot of stuff on the back end, and I don't want to dive into that because, you know, us pretending like we can know what they're thinking is, is just, you know, malpractice, but right. you mentioned, you know, they might be able to share IPs. I think that's true. Uh, I think, and it's funny cause usually things are more complicated than, um, than you think they are. But if I recall when one of the reasons why Cedar Fair wanted to buy Knott's Berry Farm in the 90s was because they got access to the Peanuts characters as a result of that. Mm -hmm. So it might be one of those situations where if they merge, now DC can be at all the parks and Looney Tunes can be at all the parks or whatever. But you mentioned, um, you know, some of the things like uh, like the buying power and stuff. And I know that Dennis Spiegel from International Theme Park Services uh, was talking about how everything from straws to so on, you know, will be cheaper. And and I do agree with him in that regard. Uh, but one of the things that kind of popped in my mind while you were talking about that was we're almost to the point now where if a ride manufacturer wants to build a ride in the United States, then Six Flags gets to kind of make that call. You know, there's a few more out there, but this is 40 something of them. You mm -hmm. know, so I, I wonder what that buying power means. And I wonder if it's going to drive innovation or not. You know, uh, and well, no, go I ahead. I think it's what the parks want to I think it's going to be what the parks want to do. You know, what they're looking for. I, I think, especially when you look at the IPs, I look at it as, you know, some of the parks that are lacking an immersive dark ride experience. Well, you can do some pretty pretty cool things with those IPs now that are now part of the Six Flags chain once this deal would close. So I think it, it creates new opportunities uh, for some of the parks. I don't think, you know, you're going to see, um, you know, if the deal closes, then here comes 20, 25, 26, and all of a sudden there's all these, you know, 400-foot coasters going anywhere. That's not going to be what happens. You know, um, they're not going to be able to afford to do that and put, you know, 40, 50 million dollar attractions in, in every every park. So I think it's going to be more about the guest experience some smaller scale things some dark rides some family rides. Uh, the live entertainment maybe gets a boost with some different things that you can do. Special events. There's some uh, uh, events that the Six Flags parks do that would make sense for the Cedar Fair parks and vice versa. So I think, just think there's, you know, just combining and if each park does what they do best which is what happened when uh, Cedar Fair and Paramount, um, you know, got together there. When when Cedar Fair bought those parks, the strengths of Cedar Fair, the strengths of, of of what Paramount did well, they were you know combined together there, and it just made a better product overall uh, for the guests. And I think that's what you're going to see here. Yeah, and I I don't think at the time I think this is definitely a hindsight thing, but I don't think that many of us realize, especially from the guest standpoint, that when Paramount Paramount Parks that is. And uh, Cedar, when Cedar Fair purchased Paramount Parks, that uh, it was so complementary to each other. Now, we know the reasons why they bought them. Dick Kinzel was very clear. Uh, well, first of all, he's always wanted he had, he had always wanted to buy Kings Island. Well, he kind of came as a package deal, but he got it. Um, but also, they wanted to diversify their portfolio uh, in terms of you know if there's a lot of rain in the Midwest or something, it's not gonna knockout attendance for a big majority of their parks or whatever. Um, but I, I think the thing we didn't realize at the time was that uh, the complimentary thing was kind of the ambition of Cedar Fair along with the forward looking of Paramount. And what I mean by that was Cedar Fair, from its standpoint of infrastructure of the park, didn't seem to embrace technology the way that Paramount did. And Paramount 
was certainly not into building bigger and better and and so on um you know roller coasters and things of that sort while cedar fair was was in that game at the time so uh, one of the examples and you know this is one of the things that's a little intricate but they talked about it very publicly was you know gate central gate central was the uh admissions pro i don't even know if they still use it or not but that was the admissions program that i guess paramount had either developed or purchased you scan your season pass, it shows your picture, you go in, but it keeps track of attendance and all these numbers and so on. Cedar Fair had nothing like that. So they adopted that from the acquisition. That alone is probably, uh, you know, millions of dollars in value, plus like priceless information, you know, from data and so on. Um, but a lot of really good people uh, floated to the top with this. I mean, Richard Zimmerman was one of them. Uh, Tim Fisher, a lot of these people, I mean, some of them boomerang. So like Tim Fisher went to, you know, the traveling sideshow in, um, or tra sorry, traveling roadshow in Australia, which is kind of like their six flags, I guess. Um, and he ended up coming back and he was COO for a long time. And we don't know what his position is going to be within the new company. If he does have a position in the new company. Uh, but, uh, so a lot of Paramount people floated to the top and a lot of Cedar fair people, that were ready to go also floated to the top, you know, and I really hope that that's the case with this. My, my concern, honestly, is that there's a lot now, there's a lot of parks now. Now, granted it's twice, let's say just six flags in general is twice the size that it was. That's twice the revenue kind of lower the expenses, assuming it all goes well, but let me, let me get your thought on this. So there's always like running jokes with parks like Michigan's Adventure, which hasn't seen a true investment in, you know, years, decades. Now that there are more parks, do those parks that are in the smaller markets get neglected more or do they get invested in more? Like, what's your prediction top of your head? I don't know that, you know, anything really would change one way or the other, you know, significantly under this. I think some of them will just operate as they have. You know, you look at Michigan's Adventure yeah, it'd be great to put a new ride and everything in there, but they know who they are. You know, they know who they're drawing from and, and what's their bread and butter, and it works for them. Um, you know, so I, I know there's a lot of, you know, when, when you're talking, the, the people that are talking about some of these parks being neglected, uh, you know, they're the ones that travel around, you know, they've got, you know, what had been the Platinum Pass, and, you know, they want to see the big, you know, Giga Coaster at Michigan's Adventure or something. You're not going to see that. That's not what that park is. You know, so I, I think they'll get maybe some, you know, some more family rides or something, but I don't think you're going to get away from who you are as a park. You know, I think a lot of them, I mean, it's a mature industry. These parks are now, you know, mature and the number of years they've been around, um, you know, the growth potential is, is not significant. You, you're not going to draw that many more parks at Cedar Point. Or, I mean, or that many more guests at Cedar Point or Kings Island by putting in you know, that big major roller coaster, you know, it'll have a little minimal, you know, impact, but it's not going to be great. But some of the mid-range ones, you know, a, a Worlds of Fun, you know, a park like that, uh, Dorney Park, those kind of parks are the ones that, that can, you know, gain a lot, um, have the biggest increases by putting in some, some major new attractions there. Yeah, I agree. And I, actually, the more I think about it, I think that uh, what we're going to see is, Let's let's use Mich let's pick on Mich Michigan's Adventure again. Michigan's Adventure might be the park that pound for pound most benefits from the IPs. 
because when we talk yeah. about shows and things like that and play areas and character meet and greets and stuff like that, that's kind of what that park is all about. From what I understand, speaking from an ignorant standpoint, because I've never been there, to be honest with you. Um, and, and on the flip side, some of the park, you know, your Darien Lakes and stuff like that, the smaller Six Flags parks, um, maybe like the the event stuff that Cedar Fair really kind of excelled in for the past five years would be something that they can bring to those parks. Yeah. And I think as an industry as a whole, I think it's the way it's trending anyways, you're seeing more like seasonal events that's bringing, you know, the repeat guests back out more so than the return you get from adding a 30 or $40 million roller coaster. The enthusiasts love the roller coaster, but a lot of families, not for them you know that uh you know mom's maybe not a roller coaster rider the kids aren't tall enough to ride you know something of that magnitude so you got to have more for them so i think what you've seen in you know the last few years is a trend and it's not just been you know the cedar fair parks you're seeing it everywhere you know universal does these events disney's doing all these events they wouldn't do all those events if they weren't bringing in the people yeah i mean uh, a good example is dollywood which is never not having an event you know it's uh, all the time. Yeah, exactly. Well, and they, they compliment what they have. They know yep. what that park is. They know who's coming to that park and, you know, big bear mountain, perfect attraction for that park. Everybody can do it, you know, and that's what, when you go to a park, you want to have things that everyone can do together. That's one of the, when you're talking about going on family vacations and doing things together, you're not doing it together if, if everything's just a thrill park. You know, you have to have a little bit of everything. And that's why I think this, this it is not a done deal. A lot has to happen before it is. Um, it can be good. You know, it, it'll it'll be good for all the guests. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now, I think it would pain me for my, for my beloved King's Island to have the Six Flags name on it because I feel like it would be like being conquered by the enemy. Uh, yeah. selfishly speaking. I really don't think that's, I really do not see that happening. I, you know, you got a lot of smart people on both sides. Okay. Mm. Let's, let's think about that. They're not going to come in and, and wreck, you know, and, and just destroy what, uh, you know, the recognition, the name recognition of these parks, you know, King's Island has been there 50, what, 51, 52 years now. They're not going to, you know, slap, make it called, you know, make it Six Flags Kings Island or anything like that. I think it'll just be Kings Island, a, a Six Flags Park. Right. And, and it probably you know, won't be a, they didn't make it. Yeah. It won't be a Six Flags yeah, it wasn't Park Cedar Fair, company facing too. Yeah. They didn't put Cedar Fair in front of all these parks, you know, and it works. So mm. I think they, they won't mess with that too much. I don't, I don't think I could be wrong. I could be wrong, but I really don't see it going that way. I think it'll always be, you know, Kings Island, a Six Flags Park, Cedar Point, a Six Flags Park. Now, the ones that are under that Six Flags branding already, well, you know, it'll still be Six Flags Great Adventure. You know, I, I see it that way still. Yeah, I think it would be insane to remove the title of Six Flags at this point from any of those parks. Um, yeah, and a lot of guests aren't even going to know, aren't even going to know who owns the park. You know, oh, yeah. The majority of guests that go to Kings Island, they have no idea. They, the Cedar Fair Park. They just most Kings think Island. that Cedar Point, owns, like just simply Cedar Point owns Kings Island at this point. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. So from the guest standpoint, I don't think too much changes. And I really don't think you're going to see anything happening in, in 2024. It'll be business as usual for you. your passes are going to work the same way that they always did. You're going to have the same, you know, kind of events that you did. Um, but then as you get toward the fall and, you know, this is again, assuming that the, the, the uh, merger closes, that's when you're going to start to see some some changes, I think, is, is more as you get toward the fall and you kind of end that core season. And now you're into your fall season. 
that would be the first uh, indication of, of things that could be different. Yeah. Uh, I mean, honestly, I, I, I always think back. you get a lot of people asking online, like, okay, so does my park passport get me into six flags, New Jersey now, or it, no, it doesn't. Um, and even if the merger went through today, uh, if you recall when the Cedar fair paramount merger happened until the next year, when they rolled out what they called max passes at the time, your paramount pass did not get you into the other Cedar fair family of parks. Uh, and I expect it to be the same, probably assuming that it, it finish it it's Q2, Q3 next year. If it completes then, uh, for 2025, you'll have an offering. So that, that transitions to my next question. So all park passport is about a hundred dollars or so. Is that about right? If you're, over you're adding, you're doubling the parks you can get into. Does it stay a hundred dollars? Because here's the question. And let me break this down. You can get into a lot more parks. So you should logically charge more. Most people do not care about that because most people that get a um, all park passport are Kings Island people that go to Cedar Point and vice versa, Kings Dominion people that go to Carowinds and vice versa, and maybe a little bit of overlap besides that. So if you're saying now you can get into Six Flags over Georgia, that's going to have no perceived value to 90% of the people. But at the same time, you're adding twice the value to the pass and you got to do something. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think it'll be an outrageous price. I mean, it's, you know, when you can tout 42, you know, properties that you can use this pass on, yeah, there's going to be a, 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 you know, cause associated with, with that kind of value that you can go to all those places. Uh, but I, I think it'll still be, you know, for those who are buying um, the passport and want to go to all the parks it'll still probably be within most of those people's range. I was thinking, you know, let, let's say it's a hundred dollars right now. And I think prices did go up or something, but let's play with that number uh, just for this metric. But if it went up to like 120, like I could see that uh, because if you think about it from a business standpoint, then you would probably have more insight on this than I do. But if I've got a Cedar fair platinum pass and I go to Kings Island a lot, you know, there's certain costs associated with me going, if I go to Cedar Point, I mean, that's such a drop in the bucket. So I, I don't think that the added cost of all these extra people is going to matter. Um, which to me, though, because the other side of the coin is the fact that now you've got, I mean, how many guests do they intend to? They, they, they've said that they want to entertain a certain number of guests, but it's something in like the 30 million range or something like that. Now you're selling that many passes too. So if, if somebody is, uh, <laughs> you've got, cause I, I'm willing to guess that probably, um, as far as the Cedar fair legacy parks are concerned, probably Kings Island and Cedar point have the most, uh, that's the most overlap in the markets, I guess. And, and six flags probably has similar situations, but if you sold the price for the same, this pass for the same price, I don't think that there's much of a cost associated with adding more parks to it, especially because if you're going to buy it and likely not visit anyway. So it might just be a fantastic marketing tool where it's like, wow, now I can get into 27 amusement parks, 15 water parks. I, that's fine. But are you, you know, that that's, yeah, I mean, you're still going to go to the parks you pretty much go to and you might add, you know, whatever, 
change or width, you might add a, a visit or two to some other parks. Right. And that would not be something that's uh, substantially stacked against the price of your pass. And you, you yeah. can also make that argument for um, like the, the all season dining, assuming that's kind of stays in the same vein as it is now. Um, I know that they charge a little bit more for the one that they can go to other parks with. Um, and that's well within their right, because that is a feature of the passage. You can go yeah. to other now, parks, but the cost associated with it is probably irrelevant if they use it at Kings Island or Cedar Point. It's just the yeah, opportunity yeah. cost of not making you buy food when you visit other Cedar Fair properties. Yeah, I think, you know, when you look on paper, like you said, it sounds really good from a marketing point of view to, to tout how many of these different you know properties and that you can go to. But the one thing that doesn't change is the amount of time that everyone who has these passes has to go to these different parks and that so they're not going to all of a sudden have more vacation time or anything like that to go do this so it'll have a little bit of an impact but not substantially you know and it might be a positive impact too because i bet there's going to be a certain lift for the first three years of oh my gosh i can get into six flags over texas with my pass i've always wanted to go to that park you're probably going to have a decent per capita if it's your first visit or something so i i've got a feeling that there's going to be an initial lift because of things like that uh, and yeah, that, but you do that, you're not going to your your other park that you always went to. So every time that you're visiting something else, you're taken away from something else for the most part, unless you suddenly have a lot of time on your hands like I do. Okay, right, right. Yeah, some people fall into time in the middle of the summer for unknown reasons. But uh, so um, but but my argument though is if if I if I go to Cedar Point, twenty five visits a year. I'm probably one of those $4 per visit per capita people or two fifty or whatever ridiculously low it is. If I visit a new park, that's not the case. Even if I have the meal plan and stuff, I'm probably going to buy stuff there because so what I'm, I'm not saying that's going to be a long-term effect, but what I am saying is that um, it's going to be like a short-term lift. I, I think that they'll see positive, uh, like a positive report from people in terms of they get exposed to new properties and stuff. It's probably also like, the first year that Kings Island did Grand Carnival, they probably sold more merchandise because, oh, it's something new and different. And first time they did the brew fest, it was something new and different. And then sometimes you get return people and it's like, well, I've already bought a t-shirt or this isn't novel anymore. And so, yeah. you know, um, but you know, when we're talking about this and you know, there's been a lot of uh, overall negativity as to what the merger means. And just like with the, the Paramount acquisition, I'm, I'm in a be cautiously optimistic, wait and see kind of thing. Um, but we did kind of jot down uh, a couple reasons that it's definitely on paper going to be beneficial. And a lot of this is not our words. It's words from what they say it's going to be. And we'll kind of mm-hmm. give our thoughts on it. So I'll, I'll go ahead and do the first one. So, uh, first one we have is complimentary assets is when we talked about 27 amusement parks, 15 water parks, uh, nine resort properties across 17 States, Canada, Mexico. Um, this will include iconic parks, with significant brand equity and beloved intellectual properties like Looney Tunes, DC Comics, and Peanuts. So we talked a lot about DC Comics going to Cedar Fair Parks, but with Peanuts uh, going to, um, when we talk about Peanuts going to some of the other properties, we didn't think about that. Peanuts going to Darien Lake or whatever. I think that would be that would be kind of interesting, don't you? I do, and I don't know that all three of these are going to, you know, stick around. Do you need all three? So those are the kind of questions that they're going to have to, you know, to address. And again, you know, we're not going to see these changes in 2024, Mm -hmm. you know, it'd be just, it just creates a lot of opportunity 
Yeah, yeah, and and I'm I'm um, saying you know across the parks to do some fun yeah, things. yeah, and and my what I'm from from this perspective, I'm saying we're gonna assume that everything stays the way it is using this list. So we're gonna assume they're gonna keep Looney Tunes, DC, and Peanuts because you and I both uh, don't know what the, I mean. For all we know, they could have a thirty year agreement with Looney Tunes, and they couldn't get rid of it if they wanted to. So they might as well use it. You know, so so we're, let's operate under the assumption that they're going to keep all this because it might be smart to keep all of it, you know, because we talk about DC could be popular with teenagers and adults as, as well as kids. Peanuts for the for the little kids and Looney Tunes for the in-betweens. You know, so I That's completely right. agree. Why don't you read off the second one? You know, on, the, on, on this one, well, on this topic too, uh, somebody uh, messaged me the other day and they said, do you think this merger either helps or hurts the chances of a phantom theater dark ride coming back. And what I told him was, I think what it does, it, it enhances the, the possibility of an immersive dark ride experience coming to Kings Island in the future. But what I think it would be, you know, you're going to use one of these um, IPs for that because you need to leverage it. You know, it doesn't make any sense if you've got these, if you got Looney Tunes, you got DC comics, you got peanuts and you put a dark ride in it has nothing to do with those. So I think if that does happen in the future, you're going to see one of the IPs leveraged into a dark ride. So do you, so you think that perhaps this did put the nail in the coffin for the Phantom Theater returns uh, rumors for the future? I would think so. You would want to, like I said, you got to, you've got the IPs, you got to leverage them. Yeah. Uh, so moving on to the next one, diversified guest experiences. Uh, so there's minimal market overlap in park operations. It ensures a more balanced presence in year round operating climates. Uh, the portfolio you know, will include safaris, uh, animal experiences, there's campgrounds, there's sports facilities, um, luxury lounges, uh, catering to uh, you know, a varied consumer demand. So that's one of the, you know, the key things that have been called out about this merger is just that uh, diversified guest experience. I hate to say this, and I hate to make this be my first point. But since you're like, oh, also two safaris and a couple campgrounds and stuff, one of the things that those could do is if they like just blanket sold off their safari operations, I mean, that could be an inflow of cash if they needed it. Um, let's hope it doesn't come to that uh, because if they can diversify their their entertainment offerings, first of all, it brings different levels of expertise. They don't want to stretch themselves too thin because that's when you start splitting up the company and, you know, that sort of stuff. But um it's uh, I think that it, this is a very good point. And um, again, when we talk about, you know, if California has a hot summer, well, maybe in Boston, it was really nice. So there's extra, you know, attendance there or in the South, it was rainy. So in the Midwest, like there was a little bit better attendance there. It's really good to offset it, you know, and it, we we've seen we've seen you and you, the listener, have seen it with your local park when, you know, things start to dip then stuff starts to get cut and it's a chain wide thing. You know, it's not just your park, your park's attendance down. So we're going to start closing these rides early. It's a chain wide thing, you know? Um, and this diversification is going to help offset that, especially with the stuff that can bring in revenue in, you know, Q4 and Q1. Sure. I mean, that's, that's huge because Cedar <coughs> Fair, I don't know about six flags. I don't follow them that closely, but Cedar Fair always had an operating loss in Q4, uh, Q1, you know, with, um, uh, especially when Knott's Berry Farm was the only property that was open, which is now the case again. But, um, yeah, 
So um, moving on to the next point, enhanced operating platform. So combining Cedar Fair and Six Flags capabilities promises a more robust operating platform, providing improved park offerings and efficiency. The company's aim to create a more engaging and immersive guest experience and expand park access to season pass holders and enhanced loyalty program. Well, we've heard the enhanced loyalty program thing before, so I'm going to give you a pass on that one. But um, I I think that's true. And, and we've even seen... With it, I mean, how many things when you were at Kings Island, how many things came to Kings Island and it was like, we tried this at Great America. Uh, one thing that comes to mind, and this is a small thing, but it ended up being huge is the um, fire on the fountain. That was something that was done at like California's Great America and they loved it there. And now we have it too, or they have it too. It's not we, I'm not on their team, but uh, yeah, <laughs> you know, but I think things like that, when we're trying things across seven or 27 amusement parks. You know, that's, you know, I hate to use the word synergy because uh, when the, when they were talking about the buyouts and stuff of, uh, you know, Six Flags and SeaWorld and all that, a lot of people are saying, oh, there's going to be synergy between, you know, the California parks. And that's not what a synergy is, but this, this is, you know, when we talk about. Yeah. Well, it goes back to what we talked about earlier is, you know, just that opportunity to, to take what everyone does well and kind of spreading it across all the parks. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And taking the best ideas and seeing what works and spreading them out. Now, at, that could be at the cost of losing the identity of a particular park. That's a big fear of mine. But ultimately, if you walk away with a better product, does the identity of the park really matter? I mean, that's that. You want the best possible you, product. I would say most would. I would say that my statement is debatable, but you're right. The best possible product is probably going to be what wins. Okay, and then uh, the next yeah. one, yeah, we've got significant cost savings and revenue uplift. So there's an anticipated annual synergies of 200 million. That's a lot of coin, including administrative and operational cost savings of 120 million. Uh, that's expected to happen within two years of the transaction closing. An additional revenue uplift of approximately 80 million is projected within three years. Yeah, I think that's that's kind of one of the you know, this area here is is what a lot of the focus that I've heard on some of the different, um, you know, the different analysts and that the the experts on, you know, how stocks and everything work. Uh, that's one of the, the key things that they've been calling out. Yeah. And, um, you know, all of these things, once again, are other people's words. This is not our opinion on this. Uh, and then, uh, you know, tying into that strong financial Profile, this is coming from the company, again, not our words, theirs. Combined companies expected to generate a substantial free cash flow, allowing inv investments in new rides, attraction, enhanced guest experience while maximizing shareholder returns. Um, so let's talk about what... It's important. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so forget returns and cash flow and stuff like that. That's that's not our thing. Um, do you think that out the door, as a fan of Cedar Point, 10 years from now, you'll have better rides than you would have if the merger goes through. You know, they have a, a great lineup with the hardware. Mm -hmm. It's hard to say better. I think you might see, I would say different at Cedar Point rather than better. I think, you know, dark ride, you know, something like that could go in there. Um, so for them, that's what I think is just more different. But some of the other parks, you know, some of these new attractions will be significant upgrades for them. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I agree. Um, you, you know, but Ryan, I mean, 
my thoughts as we get you know near the end here on this is is I'm excited about it. You know, as a person who's now uh, I'm a, you know I've got a Six Flag season pass. You know, so I was excited about visiting those parks, but now I'm even more excited for the future just because of um, what I know Cedar Fair you know is as a company and and what they you know how they tend to run the parks and um, you know so if you're a guest it's, there's reason to be excited if you're working for either chain right now I think there's you know reason to be excited because it creates more opportunity for you to advance. Mm where, you know, at a lot of parks, you're landlocked, yep. you know, you, you, there's nowhere to go, nowhere to grow. You know, there's only maybe like two or three positions in this certain department and that's it. Well, now there's opportunity, you know, when you have so many more properties, you know, to go and, and grow with the company. So I think if you're an employee, you got to be excited about that too. And unlike a sale, when that usually goes through, um, whoever is, is, is making the purchase, they normally come in and you know, the ones that are the, you know, the, the park, you know, presidents, general managers, if you're a VP, you're, you know, you're a director, you're normally removed from those positions a lot of times when, when it's a, a takeover kind of a thing, uh, where when it's a merger, you know, that doesn't happen. Um, you know, they may realign, you know, how, you know, what positions are and, and how many you have, you know, get a little more like structure across the boards that way. And that could cause some casualties there. But then once that dust settles in the future, you know, if you're working for the new Six Flags, I just think it, it it's just going to create that much more opportunity for you to grow with the company. So there's a good reason to, to stick around. Yeah. So uh, I guess the consensus is that guests and employees should be excited. I, I used the word be optimistic because it costs the same. Right. Well, uh, um, yeah optimistic excited whatever anyway so uh good talk uh i i it was funny we touched on this last week and i didn't really think we'd have to do an episode about it as soon as the next week but here we are uh let's move on to the listener question um all right this one comes from brian and it ties into what we've been talking about he says do you see uh consideration uh, uh, the consolidation or sell-off of low-performing parks um, I, what do you mean by consolidation? Like, are you going to merge Darien Lake and Michigan's well, adventure? I, yeah, <laughs> I, I think, well, I don't know that, I mean, this question came in, I think before, um, the merger was announced. So I, I think that, you know, maybe he, they're talking about, you know, if there's parks that aren't performing well, can you see those parks being sold off in the future? Um, and I, I think there's always that possibility. Yeah. I mean, Here's the thing. There's a lot of little parks out there that are perceived as not performing well. And everyone thinks that they'd sell them off if they had the opportunity. And then that day often doesn't come. Six Flags did a lot, but they were a different company 15 years ago. Um, I think that if a park is underperforming, um, they could probably make adjustments and stuff to make it perform. And if it to the point to the point where Here's the thing. If it's a park that's losing money or if it's a park that breaks even, it's not going to be a tempting thing to buy. So they're not going to get the value out of it. What the risk you run into is when the land becomes more valuable than the park, hence the California's Great America situation or to kind of less of an extreme in this situation, you got Geauga Lake where the operating costs were higher than, you know, the re even the revenue was bringing in. Um, 
And they assumed they could recoup some of it with the land sale, which is just now happening 20 years later. But um, I, I wouldn't count on that. Uh, and this is speaking from somebody that um, it, but who's looking at this from the perspective of before and after the merger. Um, I think that if parks were going to be sold off, they probably would have been for sale and we probably would have known about it before now. You know, it's hard to keep right. a secret nowadays. Yeah, but I mean, you don't know what's going to happen, you know, three, four, five years down the line. We don't even know that this merger is going to go through right now. So, um, you know, everything would be kind of, you know, hypothetical on the way Ryan and I could answer that question. Yeah, we we really just don't know. You know, and, and all this stuff is, uh, you know, any of the statistics we threw at you were numbers that they put out. This is not our analysis of, you know, how much cash flow or value to the share. None of that stuff. This is just stuff we read coming from them so that that's not our opinion yeah. or, or that's not numbers we came up with but no the only opinion like we've talked about that i have is that i think it's it's a win-win-win situation for everybody I, I think there's a lot of reason to be excited about it uh you know should the merger close and i'm really looking forward to it yeah well we'll see what it, well don don let's reconvene in one year and see how this merger is still going <laughs> or or if or if it's right. done. All right. Cool. Hey, uh before we go for the first half of the Attractions Group podcast, uh for those of you listening to us uh for the early birds, which is the bulk of people really, um, don't forget that we are having our first ever Tower Topic slash Attractions Group podcast meetup at Entertainment Junction in Westchester, Ohio, that's uh on Squire Court. And um what uh, Entertainment Junction is the world's largest indoor train display. Uh, I was able to wrangle us uh, a group discount, uh, and I will put that on our social media. I don't want to have a recording of it for obvious reasons, but uh, we'd love to see everybody uh, at uh, Entertainment Junction on what is it, November 11th? That's this Saturday, November. This Saturday, right? November 11th, 2023, at 1 p.m. So Don it'll and be I, legendary. It'll be le- you'll have a great time, and then. Uh, you'll be able to tour the Coney Island display. We might have some special guests show up from Kings Island history. Uh, I'm sure that the owner of Entertainment Junction, if he's around, will show us all around and show us all of all the stuff. But uh, anyway, um, what I'm most excited about, though, Ryan, you know, the Coney Island display, I like seeing that when I go there. But just meeting our listeners, you know, some of them we know. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of them we just know from, you know, the tweets or different messages and that that they send us. But looking forward to to putting faces with the names and um, just all everybody with like minded, you know, type interest in that coming together. That's always a fantastic time whenever you do something like that. Well, you know, what's funny is, um, yeah, so you've probably had this for a long time where it's like, oh, I've seen you on TV, like being Kings Island spokesperson and with the racer stuff. And um, and. I used to get a lot of that where people come up to me and they'd be like, you run KI central and they would be like struck. And I always thought that was just like, that was weird that I like moderated this website and they'd think that was so cool. But with, with the, I can tell you that from the podcast, from being a co-host of the podcast, when people do come up to me and say like, Hey, I listen to the podcast. You have no idea how much I appreciate that. Like oh, exactly. just, just to be able to humanize the fact that people listen to this, because sometimes I think on Wednesday nights we sit here and we whine about amusement parks and it's just for us. <laughs> and I do see the numbers go up. I definitely get statistics. Yeah, on this. yeah we, we do see that. And I mean, there's a lot of time and, you know, going, you know, figuring out what we're going to talk about and, you know, try to make it to where we're not talking over top of each other. And that always happens a lot of times when you listen to some podcasts. So just trying to structure it out a little bit. So it's a little more uh, cohesive sounding. 
Uh, you know, so there's a lot of, you know, like I said, time and effort that goes into this. And when somebody does come up to us and says, I recognize you from the Attraction Group podcast. Yeah, it feels really good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, I, I think it's really I think that's really cool. So, yeah, I mean, obviously, you're you're approached pretty often. If you see me, don't hesitate to come up and say hi. Um, so I, I would really appreciate meeting everybody, but I would especially appreciate meeting everybody at Entertainment Junction this Saturday, November 11th, 2023 at 1 PM. We're going to meet, uh, when you walk in, there is, uh, what they call the street, uh, which is kind of like when you walk in, there's, there's this main street, uh, and I can't describe how cool it, I'm not even going to put a photo in here cause I want you guys to see it for the first time that's never been there. But um, it's where their cafe and stuff is. But we'll be out there right in the front, and we'll we'll meet everybody. And um, I'm kind of nondescript, but you can the short bald guy is Don if you, you don't know. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, really looking forward to seeing everybody there. I've been looking forward to this for weeks. Uh, I know yeah. you pitched the idea of an entertainment junction meetup, and then I found out via twitter that it was going to happen and what date it was going to happen on so thank god that date works for me but uh can't wait to see you guys there but anyway stick around we've got pick six and it's another big news week of course so uh we'll see you soon everyone